Thanks for joining me in my uh, my bedroom today. Uh, I just wanted to get some uh, interesting uh, perspectives on how we can affect change through obstacles. Um, Tom has an interesting story he likes to tell me from time to time, and I just really want to get a chance to uh, you know get some other perspectives on this point of view and um, just some thoughts on how we can affect change through obstacles because we are all facing uh, you know certain obstacles now and uh, yeah. So, Tom, take the floor. So, mine's an interesting story, I suppose, of apathy. Uh, I remember back in 2005, my mom and sister watching a lot of reality television and uh, telling them from time to time that if we keep going down this path, we're going to end up electing a reality TV star as our president. So, you know, when the Republicans decided to uh, elect Trump or nominate Trump, in the summertime, I started saying that, you know, I think Trump would be a terrible president, but a great last president. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, my dad uh, took us to Yosemite, and uh, they were doing a controlled burn of the forest, and uh, we found one of the forest rangers, and I asked him, you know, is this bad that the forest is on fire? And he said, no. Afterwards, it will regrow. Hmm. So... You know, uh, do we think that uh, our nation just needs to uh, burn like the forest so it can regrow? Or I, what can we do? See, I used to have this. I used to actually have a similar sort of thing. I would tell my friend, I, I would always say, like, I feel like people want to burn the barn down. <laughs> like, we, we, can, we keep starting fires in the barn and putting them out. And eventually someone's just going to be like, screw this. I'm going to burn the whole barn down. And that's where we're like, and my friend was always like, no, that's never, gonna, that's not going to happen. We, we'll stop it before it ever happens. And I'm like, will we? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very Rachel Ghoul from, uh, you know, yeah, the first Christopher Nolan Batman. You know? Well, I, I think you have, you have two philosophies that exist in culture that are, you're predominating. There are multitudes of philosophies, but there are two that sort of lead the pack. And, and I think one is, it falls in the idea that burning it down is a good idea because you can rebuild it. Um, and I think other people look at that and they say, well, yeah, but, you know, we've, this is a huge, that's like building a, a skyscraper and then just tearing it down and building another skyscraper. You would just, no, you repair it. Now it's mm -hmm. this elaborate built up thing, you repair it. So I think there's two philosophies that exist that control that, um, but both are natural. So so both can both can exist and both can actually do exactly what they're supposed to do. So you can sort of burn it down, and I think it will grow again. Um, you can also just keep fixing it. Um, I think the the inherent problem is 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 uh, uh, allowing that control. Um, allowing allowing somebody to burn it down um, because because it isn't just them burning it down it's them planting what is next so 
You know, they could be like, hey, I'm going to burn it all down and grow poppy and sell cocaine. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, that's a, oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Dana, you have any thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, there's a couple things going on there, I think. Um, one, there's there's sort of this, this fantasy of burning things down that generally comes from people who won't be that hurt if things go badly. Uh, you know, the, the people who can fantasize about plan B if things go bad. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people who their big fantasy is making it through until tomorrow mm-hmm. without their life falling apart. Um, you know, you don't hear about those people saying, let's burn it down mm-hmm. because you, <laughs> they don't have a plan B. So it, it's not such a uh, um, fairy tale for them. Uh, they, you know. I think they like to burn it down, but I think some do get a sense to burn it down. Sure. Because they, they want to, you know, I worked like in factories and I had people who like, were like, burn it down. You know, like they had yeah, that. that. And because they think they're going to be okay for some reason. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, dude, you're... Well, you are yeah. barely in the middle class. Like <laughs> that's true. There are there are two different groups of people. It's gonna be too. real bad. <laughs> One people who understand that burning it down is just going to make life worse for them, and another group of people who think that, um, you know, the man or the government or whatever is the reason that they're down. So burning it down will actually help them in the long run. Um, so yeah, there are a few different things going on there that are odd. Um, but the whole idea of burning it down is such a um, a black and white philosophy, you know, like there are so many issues that are gray areas, you know, there are so many things that like, we're working on them, you know, we're, we're, we're working towards something better. You know, it used to be, uh, you know, one extreme and we're trying to get to the good, but there's a lot of gray in between before you can get things good and people are impatient. And if it's not great, it just should not exist at all. And they just want to burn it down and start over and not realize that, you know, there are a lot of areas that aren't perfect, but we're in that gray and we got to keep pushing forward. You know, we can't just rebuild the skyscraper because, you know, they messed up the flooring on the 17th floor. That doesn't make sense. You know, you work on the 17th floor and you keep building. You don't delete your term paper if you don't like what direction you went on on page four you don't just delete the whole thing you work with what you've got so um yeah it's it's a it's kind of a cop-out for i feel like people who don't know where to go with what we have right now okay so somewhere inside of you you don't want to see the end of fight club happen and like (laughs) all your credit card debt get wiped out and like what do you think about that um, we actually talked about that. Um, we were watching the first season of Mr. Robot. Yeah, we had a, we had like extensive conversations about how terrible. Well, I, I was talking about you know like we're we're talking about like buying a home in the future, and I'm like, yeah, super. They delete our our college debt. Fantastic. We'll weight off our shoulders. Who's gonna give us that loan for our house? Ain't no one going to do it. We don't have $100,000 in our pocket, you know? Like, there's this idea that these people are these super villains, and they're certainly screwing over people in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. we we just don't buy a house then if that happens because yeah. there's no one to help us. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We have a lot of emerging tech giants as well that um, are very quickly becoming controllers of all finance um Mm -hmm. and our own personal information we have facebook between facebook google 
uh, Apple and Microsoft, you have four of the of the most successful companies out there with more information than anybody else. And I wonder when they're going to start saying we're in control. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that that maybe if if it's burnt down the organic thing to come up maybe like this new this new world of tech giants mm. who are definitely going to sell an idea of globalization to people but um they're going to do so with their own their own power like like uh social media skynet yeah like, like in yeah. a way like become self-aware of their- <laughs> i mean after a while you have you have mark zuckerberg whose company is worth like in the hundreds of billions now um you have a company that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars you have a man whose personal wealth is in the billions and uh he has everyone's information and he would view himself as a benign ruler who would you know be using that information for what he would view as good you're already seeing blowback. I mean, I think a lot of the financing for checks and balances against Trump that you are seeing is coming from the tech industry. So I, you're already seeing it. You, you know, and, and, and that's why the tech industry is all kind of like eyeballing him going, this could be our moment where we take this. Mm. Do you think the tech industry could uh, be the global power that could lead to global government? Probably. Because the only reason, the only logical reason for like in my opinion the only logical reason for for globalization is is actually interstellar travel so that's going to require quite a bit of technology and, and unifying uh resources unifying resources do you think uh globalization is an inevitability what'd you say uh do you think that globalization will happen or do you think that i think we're seeing um we may be seeing Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin probably represent the beginning of the war against globalization. So I suppose when I talk about the uh, forest being on fire, it's not that I want to start the fire. Mm-hmm. It's that I see it happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, while for a while I was out there with a hose, mm-hmm. it felt like it was just a hose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I remember in uh, two thousand. Well, when would the Tea Party march on Trump have been? Two thousand nine in Washington. March on Obama. Oh yes. Yeah. In the yes. But, the Tea uh, Party may eventually march on Trump too, yeah. because <laughs> I can't imagine that's that you're going to see. Uh, you know, particularly with a populist president, you're going to see. Um, Party, parties agree with him. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think a large amount of his appeal was this idea that he could bring these jobs back. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I keep seeing these, these job reports, and, and they're, they're positive, but I keep seeing all these major, you know, retailers and things selling less and less in closing of their buildings. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm concerned that while our economy is booming, that it's more consolidation of wealth. I think uh, Donald Trump signals the beginning of a, of a brand new bubble um, that is essentially the economic shell of essentially post-World War II economy. Uh, you're you're going to see the end of the kind of capitalization that we are or capitalism that we have been experiencing for the past 50 years, 60 years, 
that I think we're I think we're seeing like this bubble of like everything's about to everything's like that's why the stock market is going up. There's speculation of deregulation, but but as that inevitably doesn't work because that's not going to work because you still need regulation. You're going to get blowback from people about that uh, very quickly. Um, you're going to see an intense fight against right. that. I don't know. Now, I, I'm not a great historian, but if we look at, you know, like most of the major industrial revolutions in which the, uh, the working class had to either shift or saw a reduction in, in the need for quantity of workers in, in the force, you know, we're on the brink of this robotic revolution. And, you know, I, I think global conflict typically follows these type of industrial revolutions we're cert it certainly feels <laughs> i was just saying it earlier tonight at dinner I, I said i feel like we're in a fourth grade history book um but we're going to be like that's that this is where like when you're in fourth grade you will learn about this moment in american history where where donald trump was president and this terrible thing happened mm -hmm. and we're going to be the crotchety old people one day telling <laughs> The, the next generation about how it really was like <laughs> or yeah or or it'll be it'll either be really they will either be painting it as a the worst thing ever or or he will have won and we will all be painting it as a very positive thing that worked out for everybody except for most people okay so <laughs> so in the face of this um you know this we're painting a pretty uh dour set of circumstances for ourselves how do we affect change in the face of this type of uh, obstacle you it's very simple you become the batman okay that's one way <laughs> so um, are we are we talking about just like everyone turning into you know caped vigilantism you know uh... i think i think uh a couple things need to happen and i i've mentioned it before and i actually have mentioned it quite a bit on reddit um Bernie Sanders had a following that got slighted by the Democrats. Um, the Democrats, I think, did an okay job, not a great job, but an okay job at trying to play to it, but at the same time kind of say we don't care about this either. And uh, I, I think for me that's the logical birth of a new Republican Party. Uh, I think Bernie-crats, as they call them, who are all kind of focused on running in the Democratic Party, I, I'd say, no, 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 no. Run as Republicans. Hmm. Uh, Democrats are a logical opponent because they at least mostly agree with, with us on the general issues of how to, how to help culture be better. They, so, like, our fights are not going to be so massively divided into these sort of moral grounds. It's more just the details of how to get there. It's, yeah, it's okay. so. So you're thinking more of a like uh, political, um, you know, uh, upheaval. Well, yeah, I think, I, I, I think, you know, it's it's strange because some of our most memorable politicians uh, <laughs> started their careers by answering ads. Um, Ronald Reagan and, and, and Richard Nixon both answered ads and uh, I, I think that's that's kind of mm. where it needs to go again yeah. is to ask people to step up and, and you're seeing it, you're seeing a lot of scientists are, are running, thousands of scientists mm. running for various offices mm -hmm. uh, 
you're you're even seeing movement in Republican. I was reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's like talking about running for Senate mm. uh, and running as, an as possibly as an independent. Uh, you're seeing movements to to in because I, I think protest is going to be used against us. Protest is going to be used to villainize liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. It's already being done. I mm-hmm. see all my conservative friends are sort of yeah. leaning on the liberals or enemies um, thing, which is scary because these are people that I'm friends with that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. now less, now more concerned that, uh, <laughs> you know, could get injured by these people at some point or harmed or, or mm-hmm. something. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like the the really the next step is to find so is is to do what the republicans in a sense did between 2009 and 2012 which is just pour pour a new philosophy into the party well great let's try that again (laughs) Uh, because most people will just vote republican whether or not they they, because you know most people just vote based on party lines yeah. so yeah it's it's debatable whether that that party was pretty much just hijacked it was know, i so. knew to hijack it again um, yeah. why not yeah. all it takes is some all it takes is a, a a backer a financial backer and something like the tech industry might be able to push hmm. bernie crats into the republican party interesting well, I, tom yeah i wanted to kind of get your your take on that. i think that's a great way to combat apathy or at least this you know millennial apathy we see right now because mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. a lot of my it definitely frust- is yeah drush- my frustration with the current political system is that so much of our time is spent debating, you know, moral and social issues when I think, you know, we've come to a a place as a civilization and a society that we should put those things aside and try to focus on the real problems we have. Mm -hmm. And if there was a separation in the Democratic Party in, you know, the economic philosophy following Bernie Sanders, then, you know, we could have real debates rather than, you know, discussing how we should be treating homosexuals and, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, immigrants and, and, and mm-hmm. things like this that are, just seem like a waste of time. You'll find mm-hmm. that to be really appealing to Trump supporters, too, as one of my close friends is a Trump supporter. That's, like, that's rhetoric that he uses for why he voted for Donald Trump, is he wants to put aside the, all the social crap and just get stuff done. And Donald Trump sold that to him at rallies. Mm. Um, Don, <laughs> Donald Trump sold that um, because the rallies were were often not about racism; they were about that. Um, it's just racism happened to be this this focal point on the people that were going. There was a lot of xenophobia mm-hmm. that was happening, but in the speeches itself, at the rallies themselves, the rallies were not about that. The rallies were about bringing jobs here and getting stuff done and just all this all this all the mm-hmm. social issues that have been bothering everybody for years we're going to get rid of that we're going to we're going to build a wall so the Mexicans don't come in we're going to ban Muslims mm-hmm. and we're going to focus on ourselves for a few years that was that's essentially yeah. like how it was sold and so like i i do feel like um that's an appealing thing to to Trump supporters who after Trump jilts them on a few things they may be looking for another Republican who has the similar ideas, and mm-hmm. and uh, you'll find that like you know my friend was he liked Bernie and Trump, he mm-hmm. liked both of them. Yeah, there's oh, a lot there. of crossover. Yeah, Dana, what do you think is the best way to affect change? Uh, you know, with these obstacles that we're facing. Well, you know, it's um there's some great big picture ideas there, but you know a lot of people they're not going to run for office. They're never mm-hmm. going to get involved in that level and. You know, I, I myself, 
I'm getting really burnt out on all of these, you know, micro grassroots things that you can do, you know, calling your Congress people mm-hmm. and um, signing petitions and going to protests. And I think those are all really great and important. But um, I think I think a huge thing people can do just to help us as a people foundationally is point out when you agree with someone who has different viewpoints than you because there's been this extreme Mm. othering Mm. that is happening and like you know I one of my relatives who she she said this but (laughs) hasn't really totally learned the lesson herself I don't think Mm. um pointed out that like we agree on more than we disagree on Mm. and that's totally true and yet you would think that we are on different planets with how divided we are mm. in these policies and how they're being enacted and what's happening, you know, in Washington right now. We don't need to be on like bloodthirsty, you know, at each other th- at each other's throats, mm. divisive, you know, sides on this thing. We don't have to do that to ourselves to defend these people. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that for them, you know, what <laughs> So, like, I think it's really important, like, whenever you can to point out when you agree on something and, like, really stop the sort of hemorrhaging of uh, othering, that's the best way I can put it, that's happening, where we, like, just insist that there's a them and us, and if they say it's raining outside, I need to say it's a sunny day, mm. you know? Like, it... We have to disagree on everything, and people are just losing their minds over it. And yeah. I think that needs to stop. That's a really easy thing that you can do in your daily life, just to keep yourself a little more calm, mm-hmm. as well as maybe calm down sort of the hysteria that's happening with people who disagree with you. Cool. That's. I think that's a really nice way to look at it because it's something that um, it isn't as grand a scope as like starting a new political party. Right. Which would be really cool. It's something anyone could do. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's something we could do tomorrow, I guess, in our our interactions, you know. Um, So I guess guess I'll wrap it up on that. I want to thank you guys for coming to my room and hanging out and chopping it up with me for a bit. Um, Do you guys have any any more things you'd like to add before we uh, wrap it up? I'll let you guys... I'm sure we could talk for hours about this topic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like... There's a ton of things that can be done, so it's it's just what which of them are going to be which of them are going to be effective? Yeah, what would you to do tomorrow to affect some change? Um. Well, right now the I think one of the best things that can be done because like there isn't really a lot you can do as a person. You can protest. Um, and you can call your senator and like, you know, senators figured out a long time ago that you can just ignore that. <laughs> um, and so like that does get really disheartening and like you call and call and call and then nothing really happens. You, I mean, now they, they're not even doing their town halls. But um, the one thing you can do is pay lawyers who do have the ability to do things, um, which is where, like, donations to ACLU. Mm. You can make a monthly donation of $10 to the ACLU and probably do more good with that money than than a single protest. Um, 
and that's not like a totally mm-hmm. massive un right. unbelievable amount of money to give every month. That's, I think that's a like, great suggestion. Yeah. You know, that's something you could do tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Great. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming by again. Excellent coffee. Excellent conversation. Take care.